Morning. I uh, asked you last week to go to Galatians and ask the Father where Jesus was in the middle of all that, how it related to you personally. And we're going to keep doing that. There's a lot more of Galatians to cover. And I also told you that uh, I would do the same thing. And if the Father gave me something to share with you, I would, I would do so. And so I want us to begin in Galatians 1. Hopefully, well, we might spend two years in Galatians. Who knows? And I want to kind of give you a little bit of background to maybe help you understand what all this is about. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me. Who were they? Who were all the brethren that were with him? You don't have to go very far to find out there's something you don't know. Well, there were several guys that traveled with Paul. There was Barnabas, John Mark, there was Silas, Timothy, Erastus, Aristarchus, Gaius, Trophimus, Tychicus, Luke, Sopater, and Secundus. You'll remember all those names, I'm sure. You'll find those in Acts. And in Acts, if you can look at Acts with an unbiased, untainted understanding of the church and relationship with Christ and how leaders are raised up, you'll see something that will just blow your mind. These were guys that followed Paul, some of them went pretty much everywhere he went. And if you want to get a good, I think, if you want to get a good natural picture of what that looked like in everyday life, watch the chosen. They did an awesome job of stripping religion in the relationship between Jesus and his disciples. Because if you look at what he did with them, and you look in Acts at what Paul did with his followers, you'll see that it's not anything like we determine raising up leadership ought to be. These guys recognize something in Paul in his relationship with the Father, and they wanted that. And so some of Jesus' followers were called. Some of them just followed. Where Paul is concerned, some of them were called, and some of them just followed. But what they followed, what they observed, what they watched is a man who had been with Jesus. 
and who built a relationship with him in a non-religious setting, and that captured their heart. So these guys at different times, at various situations, some of them we know quite well. Uh, Barnabas, we know Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul traveled on some missionary journeys together. You know, Timothy is the guy that Paul wrote letters to after having leaving him at, at some churches to oversee those churches. And so you see these guys, some of these are prominent, some of them are a little obscure. But the whole idea of how to raise up leadership had nothing to do with imparting information. It had to do with imparting, by example, the life of Christ. And that's one of the approaches we've tried to take that people would would talk to me about, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to be a leader. Well, the first question I ask them, is anybody following you? Because if there's nobody following you, you may not be called to be a leader. Followers identify leaders. The question is, what are leaders going to do with the followers? Are they going to just give them more information, make them smarter, and give them the illusion that because of that they become spiritual? Or are they going to impart Christ to them? And this is what you find in every letter that Paul wrote. The heart of everything he writes is to establish and build on a relationship with the one who captured his heart. It wasn't to impart information, although there was information available. But the heart of all of the letters that he wrote, and it's important that you grasp this. It's important that you don't look at this as a manual or as a lesson, but see it as Paul imparting his heart to say, I, as he said to the Romans, I would go to hell if you could go to heaven. I would be accursed that you might come to know Christ. That was his heart. As he writes in his letters, he says, I count all things as dung, as loss, that some might come to know Christ. At the very heart of everything he's writing here is th- are things that he has lived out in front of these men. And it is to reveal and to express his desire that each of us, whoever reads it, comes in a deeper, more intimate relationship with Christ. We take it and tear it apart to justify all kinds of extra-scriptural premises. To him, it was all about Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Christ living in that relationship personally, one-on-one. He addresses that. But not only that, he delves deeper in that and broader than that, and he talks about living in that relationship corporately and how you live under the headship of Christ and live with people in a relationship where Christ is the head. So it wasn't just an individual 
picture he was trying to paint. It was a corporate picture that he wanted to paint. Not only do we live in Christ relationship one-on-one, but we live in Christ relationship with others that are in the body of Christ. And when you follow Paul's writings and you follow what he says, you see that over and over. And then when someone comes along and threatens that, he roars like a lion and says, let them be accursed. Anathema. You know what the modern translation of that is? Let them go to hell. That's pretty stout. But the heart of what he was saying and the heart he imparted to these men is it's about relationship, one-on-one and one with another. And then he says, who raised him up from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, of Galatia. Wasn't just written to one church. It was written to a bunch of churches. Most of these churches were started from a thread that led back to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There were all of these different cultures, all of these different races, all of these different perspectives of life and shades of skin at Jerusalem for the Passover. Some of them hung around afterwards, and God did this awesome thing. And not too long after that, because of persecution, they were dispersed back to their hometowns, back to their worlds, back to their cultures. And they went back carrying the gospel. They went back carrying this experience that Jesus is alive and lives in me. Some of them were greeted well. Some of them were greeted not so well. But we have these three journeys. We call them missionary journeys, Paul's missionary journey. They weren't really missionary journeys. He wasn't a missionary. He was an apostle. And Paul goes after he meets the Lord, and he checks on these churches that have started, or he wins people to the Lord and starts them. And it's in this region of Galatia. There were several different regions inside of Rome of Greece and the Roman the Galatia was one of them and in that area there was the churches of Pisidia Lyconia Phrygia Cappadocia Antioch Lystra Pere uh Henry Monrad Derby yeah and Iconium and we you see these towns through acts and Paul made a journey through there, and on his first trip, he would go into this region, and he preached the gospel, he helped establish the church, he helped encourage the believers that were there that had come, many of them from Jerusalem. Many of them he won to the Lord as he preached. And so on his first journey, he comes back and he checks on these, and he goes back to Antioch. We'll see more about Antioch later on. Antioch became the central Move of God away from Jerusalem. We'll see why, what happened there later on. 
The second time he comes out, he goes back and he checks some of these. Somewhere between the first and the second trip, these men crept into the churches in Galatia and caused an uproar. They had already attacked Paul and the disciples. And their motive was not, this is the thing you're going to see in Acts chapter 13. I think we find the real motive. Uh, I think it's 13. Yeah. Yeah, Acts chapter 13, verse 45. We find the real motive behind these men. I read an article, you know, I, I check out a lot of things as I begin to study and shelve most of it, some of it sticks. But there was one article that I read and he said, these guys weren't so bad. He said, they were just trying to preserve the Torah. They were just trying to preserve the dignity and the integrity of the Old Testament because they felt like Paul was challenging. I don't believe that's true at all. In Acts chapter 13, verse 45, it says, When the Jews saw the crowds that the disciples and Paul were gathering, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. These guys were jealous of what was going on and what was taking place. So they came in and they said, well, listen, you're going to, you know, it's great that you've met the Lord, but now you're going to have to be circumcised to fulfill part of the law and, and keep the law. And Paul deals with it in no uncertain terms. He addresses it. So he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, though might he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Truly, you be it, so be it. And then he talks about what happened to him. Because not only were they questioning what he was saying, they were questioning his authority. Who sent you out? Who gave you authority to go down there? Who gives you the right to start these churches and come and preach in each? Who gives you? You're not, you're not qualified to do this. So in chapter one, verse six, he begins to talk about himself and what happened to him and what his qualifications are. And we're going to stop there because that's all I got that I can share with you today. So you get an idea. It's important as you read these things to understand this is the heart of Paul. Paul wants me to take what he's written here and allow that to deepen my relationship with Christ. And it's so easy to get off and start chasing other things and this and that and this and arguing over stuff. The point is... When you walk away from this, is your relationship with the Lord more intimate than it was when you started? Are you approaching it from a heart that says, Father, I want to know you and what you're like. Show me what you're like. Show me what I'm like. Let me see through your eyes what it is that you see in our relationship.
That's what Paul was all about, about knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. All right, any questions? This is good. I mean, this is good stuff. You just have to take time and approach it with a humble heart. Ask the Father to just show you things that you didn't know before and reveal his son. All right, any announcements? All right, good to see you. Have a good week. You're dismissed.